It shall be that I will gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and see my glory. I will set a sign among them, and those among them who escape I will send to the nations, to Tarshish and Pool and Lud, who draw the bow and Tubal and Javan to the coastlands afar off, who have not heard my fame nor seen my glory. And they shall declare my glory among the Gentiles. Then they shall bring all your brethren for an offering to the Lord out of all the nations, on horses and in chariots and in litters and on mules and on camels, to my holy mountain Jerusalem, says the Lord. As the children of Israel bring an offering and a clean vessel into the house of the Lord, and I will also take some of them for priests and Levites, says the Lord. For as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants in your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. And they shall go forth and look upon the corpses of the men who have transgressed against me, for their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. They shall be in abhorrence to all flesh. Man, what a kind of depressing verse or two to end the book of Isaiah with. But you know what? The real focus of this, of this segment of Scripture really is verses 18 and 19. And then just let me kind of walk you through what verses 18 and 19 mean in, 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 in somewhat in just of a kind of a paraphrased thought. Here is Isaiah, the prophet, writing the words of God and he's closing out his book and he's focusing the nation on why they ought to do what they should be doing and the purpose for what they will be doing and, and what God is going to accomplish in the end. He's going to bring all nations, people and tongues and kindreds and colors and races and everything. And they will come to his holy mountain in Jerusalem and they will worship the living God. But out of this comes something wonderful that we can use and apply for our life today. Here's what he basically says. I see what they are doing. And I know what they are thinking. So I am going to gather all the nations and peoples together. And they will see my glory. I will bring them to my mountain. And they will see who I am. They will see the beauty of my, my character. The holiness that I am. All that God is. They will see it there at my mountain. And I will perform miracles before them. And then, those who've seen those things, I will send to be messengers to the nations. You know, oftentimes they, people say, well, the Old Testament, they, it was only about the Jews. No, this book is about the people of the world. And right here in Isaiah God's word says, I am going to send them as messengers to the nations, to Tarshish, to the Libyans, to the Lydians, who are famous archers, to Tubal in Greece, and to all the lands beyond the sea that have not heard of my fame nor seen my glory. Do you catch it? I'm going to gather people to my mountain. They will see my glory, and I will do wonderful things before them so they will know who I am. But then I'm going to send them to these foreign nations because they've not seen my glory, and they don't know who I am. And I'm going to send them so that they will know of my glory, because there my messengers will declare my glory 
to the nations. This is a gospel call to outreach to the world. This is exactly what it is. This is God telling his people, listen, I have not come just so you know my glory. I have come so that the world would know my glory. The, those words, Tarshish and Pool, Lude, Tubal, and Javon, they're wonderful because they are Spain, North Africa, Asia Minor, Greece. They're Gentiles. That's you and me. Are there any Jewish people here this morning? One, praise God. You, you are part of that Jewish nation, but guess what? So am I, because I got grafted in. When I met Jesus, he grafted me into that Jewish nation. I am a child of Abraham, not by birth, but by spirit, by truth, and by Jesus Christ. Hannah, you and I are brother and sister, amen, by Jesus. Amen. And this is wonderful. But most of us, except for one, we're all Gentiles. And God said, listen, I want to send you out as messengers to the Gentiles so that they would know my glory. John MacArthur says, these nations were representative of the Gentile populations that would hear of the glory of God. Why is it that we need to send missionaries across the world? Why is it that we need to support national pastors who cannot support themselves, like Ramil Mendoza and Vlodya Simakov? They, cannot, they can't support themselves on what they make, and they need people to come behind them and support them and love them and pray for them. Why? So that they can declare the glory of God to, to the Gentile people, to, to all the people. My family and I, not through the church, but on our own, we support a missionary called e, e. Galvinder. Some of you know him, for he spoke here a year or so ago. He's a Messianic Jew. And what he does is he proclaims the glory of God to the Jewish people there in Tel Aviv and in Jerusalem. What we see here is the whole reason why we are to do what we do, why we're to give the missions, why we are to go across our neighborhood and our street, why we are to be a witness to our neighbors and to our coworkers. It is the whole purpose why we do anything. What we're seeing here described, it, it, it involves what might rightly be called the final worldwide missionary movement. This is bringing everything to the end in the book of Isaiah that will assure that all people on earth have heard and have had a chance to repent and worship God. Do you know what? We don't go across the ponds of the world to, to, to witness to people just because we have a burden for their souls. That's part of it. But we are to do it for the reason of the glory of God. That's why those people who saw who God was at his mountain, God sent them as messengers of his glory. Do you know, believer, that's what we are this morning. We are messengers of the glory of God. Not, not just so, oh, we got to go soul winner, or we got to witness, or we got to tell somebody about Jesus because we'll hear a sermon on it, and we'll, he might make us feel guilty. No, we have the wonderful mission and glorious privilege to declare the glory, beauty of the living God. And when people see who he is, 
and what he's done for them, some of them will come to faith in him and repent and be saved. The goal of us as a church and us as, as a believer is to proclaim, to reveal, to announce the glory of God to the peoples of the world, to the peoples who have not heard a report of God, who have not seen God's glory demonstrated by his marvelous deeds. There are over, and I'm going to use a, a smaller number because I don't want to exaggerate the number, but there are over 2 billion people in this world of 7 plus billion people that are registered as unreached. Meaning, it's not that they've not, you know, got a church or they don't have something in their neighborhood. They have never heard the name of Jesus Christ as the Redeemer of the world. There's that many unreached people. There are over 6,000 unreached people groups in our world today. And what God is calling us to do is to reach them, not out of guilt or shame or even duty, but to pronounce and announce and to reveal the beauty and the glory of the living God that loves them so much that he came to this world and died for their sins. That is the beauty of Isaiah chapter 66. The evangelistic effort of proclaiming the good news will be undertaken and is undertaken today so that all peoples have an opportunity to respond and so that we would accomplish God's plan to have people in his kingdom worshiping him. Do you know what? Our world, our world is messed up, is it not? You don't have to stay on the news for more than probably 15 seconds to realize our world's messed up. Our churches, our churches should not be. We should not have a political agenda. We should not have just a social agenda. Our agenda should be God. Our agenda should be Jesus Christ. Our agenda should be revealing the glory of God to all peoples of the world. We should have a purpose to get the gospel not only to our neighbors and our co-workers and the people that we maybe socialize with at other places, but that we should get the gospel to the un unreached peoples of the world. Why? Because it is all about the glory of God. It is all about accomplishing what God has purposed from the very beginning. Can I take you to the book of Revelation to give you a glimpse of heaven? Actually, look around you for a minute this morning. We have several different nationalities here. We have people of different color. We have di people of all kinds of different backgrounds. Look around. Look, everybody, look at your neighbor. This is a small, minute glimpse of what heaven's going to be like. There will be no color. There will be no race. There will be no, no cultural differences or background. We will simply be the family of God in heaven. And man alive, we ought to be living like that here within the church. And I'm so thankful for a church as ours with such diversity and that we love one another, not based on our color or our cultural background, but based on the blood of Jesus Christ. Let me give you a, a, a glimpse 
of heaven. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Those who had been saved of all nations, from all different tribes of people groups and peoples and tongues, they were all together crying out, not their national anthem, not their creed, not their code, not their cultural belongingness or, or beliefs, but they were crying out, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That is in heaven even at this moment. That is being shouted at the, uh, the rafters of heaven or, or ringing through the, this song, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Salvation is the theme of the worship. And they recognize that that worship, that salvation, only comes from God the Father and God the Son. And those from every tribe and kindred and tongue, as they sing, something happens in heaven. It ignites a further uh, firestorm, if you would, of worship throughout the realm of heaven. This one group began to sing and it ignited the whole kingdom of heaven to sing about the salvation of God. Look at verse 11. And the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creature, creatures fell on their faces be before the throne and they worshiped God saying, Amen, blessing, glory, and wisdom, thanksgiving, and honor, power, and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. In our text in Isaiah it prophesies of a time when there will be an advancement of the gospel in the kingdom, propelled by the revealing of the glory of God, propelled by those messengers going out into the Gentile nations, meaning the entire world, and proclaiming who God is, who the creator, living God of the universe, who he is, proclaiming that beauty to the people of the world. And from that as they go into every nation and tribe and people and tongue, there will be those who are saved. They will be saved as the glory of God is revealed to them. And then we take Revelation because it speaks of a time when that multitude of nations that are saved and they sing of the salvation of God, which causes heaven to break out in worship crying out blessing and glory and honor and wisdom and thanksgiving and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever. What is propelling the evangelistic mission and worship of God? What is behind all of this? It's not because someone gets up and says, you know what, people are going to go to hell without Christ, which is true. And it's not because they're saying, look, you have the responsibility and the call of God as a believer to go to these lost people. It's not what they're saying, but that is true as well. The Bible is, is full of verses that tell us that we are to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 
The Bible, by illustration, shows us that when Jesus Christ comes in and he converts us and we are saved and we believe on his name, that we are to go back and tell them what Jesus has done for us. But beloved, there is a greater calling to our life. There's a mission and purpose that we see in the Word of God, and it is to reveal the glory of God to the nations. It, what does it mean to do that? What does it mean to reveal God's glory, the knowledge of God to these people, of who God is? What should propel our evangelistic effort and worship of God? We are to witness personally, we are to witness as a church, and we are to enable other people to do the same thing. But what propels that mission? Well, it must be to make his glory known to the nations. It must be his glory known and his glory revealed. That should be our purpose, what should propel us into evangelistic efforts. Let me illustrate it this way. There's a couple of things I always like to do. I always like to tell people when they say, oh, you have children. Hey, man, I got six kids. I want to tell them that, hey, my wife and I, we're something, man. We got six kids. We're crazy. We're insane. Our house is nuts. The thing's full of noise. It, I tell them we have six kids. When, when people say, oh, you and Lisa, you're such a nice couple. I said, we've been married 28 years, point something. I don't know how long the point is, but we've been married 28 plus years. What's the point? I want to tell people the beauty of our relationship. I want to tell people the beauty of our children. And that's the thing that we should be telling about God. It's not just, oh, you're a Christian. It's, you're a Christian, man. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about who he is and what he's done and how beautiful he is. He's not just some religion that you can add to that religion, the other religion around the corner, and every other religion in the world. He's the only truth. There is no other truth. The beauty of the living God is that there is a God who loves us, who is truth. And if you don't believe that truth, you're going to suffer the judgment of rejecting that truth. We are to tell the glory of God to the people of this world. Are we to have compassion for the lost? Absolutely. Absolutely. But a burden for the lost cannot be the sole or most effective fuel for our passion for the lost. It must be God's glory. Paul and all his evangelistic missionary journeys, what propelled him was the beauty and glory of God, of Jesus Christ. He lived his life as a law abider. And when he saw that it wasn't about abiding the law, it was about yielding the heart to the Savior Jesus Christ, he spent the rest of his life with a passion to share the glory of God to everyone that he encountered, 
to the Jew first and to the Gentile. And he spent his life doing that. Not just because he was solely burdened that the lost would go to hell without a Savior, but that he wanted the glory of God to be known to the world. John Piper says this about God's glory. The vindication of God's glory is the ground of our salvation, and it is the exaltation of God's glory that is the goal of our salvation. It is seeing who God is, realizing that He is truth, and receiving and accepting Him and what He's done with His Son. And then we turn right back around and we reveal that glory, that story, that truth to the world. God's glory is the goal of all things. He goes on to say that God's glory is the unifying goal of history. God's glory is the source and sum in, of all full and lasting joy. When we have in our hearts and minds that the whole purpose of our existence and what we are to be doing is to reveal and announce the glory of God, then it would be easier to deal with the sacrifices that we have to make because God's glory is first and foremost in the purpose of our heart and in our mind. And when we do it for the glory of God, then what sacrifice can ever equal the beauty of His glory? So what exactly is the glory of God? We don't have enough time or enough life to truly reveal the definition of the glory of God. But simply... I'll state it like this. It is the manifest beauty of His holiness. It is the going public of the beauty of that holiness. The glory of God is revealing the very character, the intimate, beautiful character of who God is. It is opening the veil and the door to that bright, glory that Moses could not directly see but had to be held into the cleft of the rock as the glory of God passed by. That is what we are to reveal in our witness and in our life. It is explaining to the nations who God is and what he is and what he has done for humanity. I pray this morning that we would get a glimpse in our heart of truly what the glory of God is, that it is the beauty and greatness of God's perfections. It is who He is to the very core, and there is no other God like Him. So the question comes to, how do we proclaim that infinite beauty of God? How do we proclaim or reveal the greatness of God's manifold perfections? How do we tell the world of who he is? Where do we begin? I'd like you to take your Bibles and go to Revelation chapter 4. I've been in England for 15 years and a lot of the things methodologies that I that I used to do in America I don't do here in England because I realize that they're just methodologies they're styles they're 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 the character and culture of what I grew up in and and when I go went to this different culture 
things changed and things adjusted, but the truth never did change. And what I've realized over the, these 15 years is that when we just share Christ, when we tell people who God really is, and that we're not afraid or ashamed to, to tell them the truth, God does the revealing of himself to those people, and God opens their minds and their eyes and their hearts, and people come in, in repentance to him. Just in the last few months, there have been several different people who've come to Christ, not because we worked hard at them, one of which, Alex, he came already prepared. He came here for four weeks, and he said, man, I need to be saved. And it wasn't our preaching or our witnessing. It was the work of God in his life through some other witnesses. And here's what he would always say to me. He said, man, there was something different and special about those people. And it was that they had their eyes on God. Esther and her family, Alex, they knew of the glory of God and they revealed the glory of God to you. And you saw that. And that spoke to you. And that drew you. And that convicted you. And that hour or so in Starbucks was just the bringing it all together. And you said, I just want to be saved. That is the revealing of God's glory. How do we do this? Well, you know what? In Revelation chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, it simply tells us this. Listen, Christian, you need to realize and I need to realize that God is on the throne. That God is in sovereign control of all things. And he, he is the one that is worthy of worship. Listen to what Revelation 4.2 says. Immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne and he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance, beauty. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. And in verse 8, as that was seen in heaven, the four and living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. What do we do in revealing the glory of God? You need to know that as you go and as you serve and as you witness and as you live in this world today, that your God is on the throne. He is ruling in heaven. He is worthy of worship. He is worthy of our life. He is worthy of our sacrifice. He is worthy of everything in us or through us or whatever. God is worthy. That's where we begin. How do we pronounce this glory? We need to know that God is on the throne. Number two, we need to know that Jesus has the future of all humanity in his hands. It is not Muhammad. It is not Allah. It is not Confucius. It is not Buddha. It is not Hare Krishna. It is not the, the religions of our world today where it, says, where it says man is the king of their life. For they do not hold the fate of humanity and the future of humanity in their hands. Christ holds their future in his hands. Revelation chapter 5. Let's read beginning at verse 1. 
This is where the scroll that holds the future of mankind within the pages of that scroll is written on the inside and on the backside. They say there's no one that can open that scroll. And then Jesus appears and they say, Ah, he, the lamb, is worthy to hold, open the scroll. He is worthy to hold the future of mankind in his hands. Let's read. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals. And then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. What does that mean? It simply means that that lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, who will soon be called in the scriptures the Lamb of God that was slain for the sins of the world, he is worthy and able to hold that scroll, to open that scroll, and to deal that scroll out, meaning... That Jesus Christ has the future and fate of all humanity in his hands. There is no other answer to the world's needs than Jesus Christ. That's all there is. And we see clearly from scripture how we are to go about revealing the glory of God. Number one, God is on the throne. Number two, Jesus Christ is the answer. He is the one that holds all of humanity in his hands. Why? Because he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Read Revelation verse 6. And I looked, and behold, John is seeing a glimpse of heaven. He is seeing the glory of the living God with his own eyes. And he said, I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Jesus Christ, the lamb, slain from the foundations of the world. Why? For our sin. What is the glory of God and that it is God's love personified. The glory of God is the beauty of his holiness, the beauty of his character. He is king. He holds humanity in hands. He is the one who paid for the sins of the world. And he is ultimately the one worthy of all things. Look at verses 9 and 10. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on all the earth. And what is the purpose of all that? What brought all that about? 
the prophecy in Isaiah 66. For I know their works and their thoughts, and it shall be that I will gather all nations and tongues. We see it here, and they shall come and see my glory. And I will set a sign among them, and those among them who escape I will send to the nations, to the Gentile people, Tarshish, Pool, Lude, Tubal, Javon. For they have not heard my fame nor seen my glory, and they, those messengers, shall declare my glory among the Gentiles, and peoples from all those nations will come and be saved. Why? Because my glory is revealed to them. Christian, why, what are we supposed to be doing? We're to be telling people the glory of God, the beauty of God. How do I begin? Tell them what Jesus has done for you. Tell them the testimony of your life. Share with them what God has done. What if I can't do that, Pastor? What if I'm in a place where I can't speak or share my testimony? Then live it. Live it out. Be so different than the world that we're in that they cannot deny that there is something so peculiar about you. There has to be something more than what they have. How do we declare the glory of God? We tell them that there's a king. We tell them that that king has died and holds their destiny in his hands. We tell them that the one who holds their destiny in, in his hands has paid for their sins. And if you would come and see his glory, see what he is like, see what he has done for you, and repent and come to him in faith, you will be saved in part of that redeemed people who are singing in the glories of heaven the beauty of Jesus Christ. So this month, while we talk about missions and we share, and we're going to show a video here in a moment, and we, 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 we present to you the missionaries of, that we already support, and, and we pray about how much and, and how the Lord wants us to give to our missions program during this month. And as we do all that, the one thing that has to fuel everything that we do, it's not about how much I give, it's, it's not about how many people I witness to. It's not about all the different things I, I do or how I come to church dressed or what song I sing or what I read. It's not about that. It's about revealing the glory of God. Why do we want to live holy lives? So that we can reveal the glory of God. Why do we want to know this book more? So that we can reveal the glory of God. Why do we come here to this place so that we can reveal the glory of God? Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, this morning. And I pray as we come before your throne, as we come and we think about what we've heard today, Lord, as we ask our church to pray about increasing their personal giving to missions this month, Lord, it's about your glory it's not about meeting a requirement or, or fulfilling a law or a legalistic thing, Lord. It's about your beauty. God, we want the world to know how wonderful you are. We want the world to know how beautiful you are. And Lord, I pray that you would sink deep within us a passion and a desire and a purpose to reveal your glory to the nations. Because that's your 
that's what you want to do. And Lord, I pray that we would be a part of it, passionately a part of it, revealing your glory here at home and around the world. In Jesus' name.